Sure. So Chris, thanks for being on here. I just wanted to, uh, Chris and I have a, uh, a connection in the athletic football world. We can talk about that later. But Chris, we have athletes that watch this, and I just wanted to talk about your come up starting in college. So you're in college, you're playing defensive line, and I wanted to ask, why did you choose? It's state, right? You went to state? Yeah, Mississippi State. So why did you choose Mississippi State? To be honest with you, Mark, uh, I think Mississippi State kind of chose me. Um, it was my first okay. offer out of, out of college um, before I, I became a five-star in high school. And I just stayed loyal to the program that chose me. And, um, for me, I seen it as an opportunity to go and play early. You know, Alabama had like four or five five-star recruits. And it's not the fact that I didn't believe in myself. It's the fact that I knew that, you know, seniority is a thing in Alabama. You hear about players two or three years later after they in the school, three years later, you finally hear of a player. And my biggest thing was I wanted to leave um, college in three years. It was always been a goal. That was part of my plan. So Mississippi State, I seen that opportunity, and uh, I, I wanted to capitalize on it. Awesome. Awesome. It's saying a lot. Chris, you did you um, enjoy your experience at Mississippi State? I guess I'm think, talking about not only with your teammates, but with your defensive line coach, because we're going to talk about the other defensive line coach in a little bit. <laughs> My defensive line coach at Mississippi State was David Turner. Um, when I got there, I was a young buck, um, and I knew it was a lot of hard work, preparation. He was a very detail-oriented old school type of coach who um, fundamental type of guy. So we bump heads a lot and it took me to actually get in the NFL to appreciate what David Turner was teaching college. Understood. Understood. And did you have, did you develop your work ethic? Cause you know, I've had the pleasure of working with you. I know how you work. You're a very hard worker. But did you always appreciate, for example, extra work, extra reps, the weight room, conditioning? Have you always appreciated those things? Or did that take time to understand how much of a contributor that could be to your success? Well, for me, it started in high school. Um, I dedicated my weekends to uh, getting in the gym. I dedicated my, uh, my weekdays to getting in the gym. I wanted to be strong as fast as everybody so I always made sure I hit the gym and I kind of slacked when I got to college because I'm like you know everybody is strong avocado is stronger than a lot of people so kind of slack and um it took for my third year in college to realize that the weight room plays a pivotal part into health into preparation into sustaining um and I think the weight room is one of the most important things to stand healthy throughout the season especially with the extra game um 17 season you know i think the weight room is pivotal that you stay in the weight room you stay doing something contributing to your body and your physical health you said you kind of slacked in college and when did you I get did, back like, on it and start appreciating it again well i was um i've been very fortunate as a player um i came out of high school as a five-star recruit under my all-american Got to college, I was ringing one of the top defensive tackles my first year, first year freshman All SEC, freshman All American. 
And um, my second year, I kind of did a lot of slacking. Uh, my rankings fell down. For me, that was important. And my third year, I kind of dived back in. And when I was able to get drafted, I wanted to turn a new page. Um, I was a little overweight. My body weight wasn't what I wanted it to be. My body fat wasn't what I wanted it to be. And um, I fell in love with getting a six pack. <laughs> as easy as it sounds, man, I've been working for the last seven years trying to gain a six pack. Yeah. What? Is, so if you don't mind playing with numbers to give everyone an example, because you're a you're not a small human being. You're a large human being that's incredibly fit. What were you weighing then? And then what did you get down to to be uh, at your best weight? I had a complete transformation from body weight to body fat. Coming out of high school, I was 245. And uh, coming into SEC, everybody was like, you got to get bigger. You got to get stronger. Everybody in the SEC is faster. You got you, you to gotta improve in those areas. So I started taking the protein, milk drinks, the muscle milk with every meal. Um, in a month's time, I was, I was 290. And then uh, before I wow. knew it, my second year, I was 310. <laughs> and wow. I tried to lose weight and got down to 311 my third year and came in the league at 315. So over the course of uh, my first three years in the league, I kind of figured out what my body weight is the best at to make me perform. And I now I'm at 14, 14 to 16% body fat with um, – I'm – 290 at the most, uh, 285 at the least. Okay. And that's your best way. You feel great. You can move well. Great pass rush at that way. You feel good. Did you always kind of favor football itself, or did you play multiple sports that contributed to you being an awesome athlete? Well, for me personally, I wasn't a football player. Never liked football. I wasn't a football fan. I used to be a Ray Lewis fan. I was a huge Ray Lewis fan. I like how he played the game. Physical, entertaining, um, aggressive. They, they was a defensive-minded team. And I like the Eagles defense back when they had Trent Cole. They used to get a lot of sacks. That's the only thing I liked about football until my junior year in high school. And um, I tried out for the football team my first game. I, I, I excel and got my name in the paper. And that was my biggest thing. I always wanted to be able to shine and get my name in the paper. The basketball, um, you know, you score 10 points, you get your name in the paper. I was a basketball player. I used to see the football players walking around with cast on their arms, the legs all beat up. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. So I stayed in the gym and away from football. So Recently, uh, junior year, I got into it. I ended up moving, transitioning to Houston, Mississippi, playing football. Um, started selling at that, and I took it and ran with it. But I was mainly, mostly part of my high school and junior high life. I was a basketball player. All right, Chris. So I, I, I think you're in college. You're doing well. You said you took a step back, and then you took a step forward. I just wanted to know the exact moment where you were like, this is real. Like, I'm without a doubt going to be an NFL player. And I'm, it's not only about being an NFL player. It's like you're like a top, top, top choice and one of the best defensive linemen in the entire draft. When did that became, become a reality? 
like prior to walking across that stage? From the first day I stepped on the college campus, I was um I actually had a meeting with Dan Mullen. I told him you're not gonna have me nothing but for three years. Um and I'm leaving to the NFL draft. Um, for me, my goal was to make it to the NFL as soon as possible. I already, coming out of high school, I felt like I was NFL ready. Just the confidence that I had. <laughs> I came with a lot I of confidence. I, well, I, I thought I was NFL ready out of high school. Looking back, do you think you could have, now, now what's your feeling? Do you think you could have ran out there coming out of high school? Maybe, maybe I would have had a chance to make the practice squad. <laughs> maybe. I had a work ethic. I had a heck of a work ethic. I was only 245 pounds. Um, I I was in the weight room, but I didn't have that grown man strength like a lot of these NFL guys have. Um, so I, I probably lacked the strength. Uh, my conditioning was, uh, was, was, was really, really top-notch. Um, but more so for me, it was strength-wise. I wasn't as strong as those individuals, but my work ethic was there. Yeah, for sure. So you get drafted. You get drafted by KC. Are you pumped? It's. I mean, you're obviously excited you're in the NFL, but what are your thoughts when you get drafted by Kansas City? I was pissed off, man. I was so pissed off. And, and that moment right there kind of came full circle for me because uh, – I, I was definitely thinking I was going first round. Um, that was everything to me. I wanted to walk across their state first round. I wanted to hold up their jersey. They got the one on the back. And to see everyone go in front of me was kind of a surreal moment. That that, that kind of brought brought realization to um, and no matter how good you think you are, you're never as good as you think you are. Um, and that moment right there, um, that put a chip on my shoulder right there that keeps me going to fight to – to always put in a little extra work, even when you're tired, even when you have no juice left, just a little more, a little more. That moment right there, getting drafted in the second round was for me a disappointment. Um, I had planned my whole life on being being able to walk across this stage first round. I set myself up from high school. I trained my mind that I was going to be a first round pick, top 10, and I, I think that moment right there kind of defined my career. Um, it gave me a chip, gave me something to fight for, and, and, and it helped me a lot as a player, as an individual. Mm -hmm. I mean, you certainly know. I, I mean, I, I've seen you work. You're an incredible worker, and I've obviously seen you play. That's something that you still carry with you that you don't forget, do you? No, not at all, man. Not at all. That I um my first game ever playing, they put a list of every D lineman that went in front of me. And um that kind of stuck with me for my first game forward. I don't know who did it, whether it was Ryan Nutt, whether it was John Dorsey, whether it was Andy Reid, somebody did it, and that lit a fire under me that right there that drove me to this day. Um uh, every D lineman that was drafted in front of me. Um, you know, and I looked at the list, took a screenshot of it. And um, I told myself I'm approving wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly have. That's for sure. You're playing. You're playing several years in the NFL, and you're a vet now. But when did it click for you? Was it day one, or was it, you know, year two? Where you you're always making amazing plays, but you actually dominated like all the time. When did that start to click? Because you got to figure things out. Like as good as the SEC is. There's a lot, a lot of great players in the NFL. When did that start to click? 
um around year three, year four. Um, I had to, I had to. <laughs> First year is like you don't know what to expect, um, and then if you're a team with a, a bunch of older guys, which I was, I, I, I was very fortunate to have Don Terry Poe, Allen Bailey, guys to show me the ropes, Jay Howard. You know, it was it's like tough love. Um, you know, I was a new kid, not knowing what to expect, um, and they showed me the ropes, and I was able to sit back, take it all in, and understand how things go professionally uh, as a player. Um, I'm actually super grateful for that moment right there because I came in expecting I'm going to get on the field first day starter. I'm going to have all the reps and to actually having to start over. It's like going back to college again, having to start over, prove yourself again, prove that you can learn the defense, prove that you belong in there and being able to sit behind guys that had success and to learn from that. So I actually took, 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 took that to heart. Dante Paul used to watch what he eat for breakfast in the morning. He, he was a pro bowler slash all pro. So um, in my mind, it was I was going to follow him. I was going to mimic him. I was going to do what he do um, until I get to the level of success that he's um, he's peaked at. So he, he used to eat the oatmeal with the banana and brown sugar in the morning. I started eating that. It was terrible, but... I tried it out because that's what an all-pro does. You know what I mean? So I was like, if he's an all-pro eating it, I'm going to be an all-pro eating it. So I did that for a year, and then he eventually left. And then Alan Bailey, I was able to follow him. His workout regime, I, I copied that. After that, he left. Um, and then my mind transitioned to, I want to get sacks. So I watched every every film of Aaron Donalds from 2016 to then, what, 2016, 2015, to then, and I study his film. And then that year I had 15 and a half sacks. But then I realized that it's more to the game than just sacks. It is more so being a complete player. So then I realized that I got to improve my run game. And after I improved my run game, I wanted to have more sacks. But then I realized that now it's not, it's not really about you. When you put the team goals first, and your goals behind the team goals, your goals is that's achievable, but the team goals is more important because when you win a championship, you don't even care about stats no more. It don't even matter about your personal attributes or what you've done personally. You're still, you know, one person don't win a game, one person don't lose a game, but one person can help win a game. One person can help change a game, you know, and uh, that, that right there kind of gave me the change of, you know, I can be dominant within the system as long as I put the team goals first and understand that it's about the team and I'm second. My personal goals is second. And it took me probably five to six years to kind of get that selfish aspect because everyone want to be successful. Everyone want to have the accolades of the best in the business. Everybody want to win DPOY if you're a defensive player. Everybody want to be in that conversation, but, you know, the main conversation to be in is Super Bowl champion. When I actually took that to hindsight and realized that it's not even about me, it's about the man beside me, it's about the team goals. This guy beside me is more, his goals are more important to mine because if I help him achieve his goals, then he can help me achieve mine. So my goals will be a little more easier because if he's got 10 sacks, then they're no longer worried about me. They're worried about this guy beside me. So, Really, for me, it changed probably your sense of it, more so investing in players more than I invest in myself or my personal goals. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, Chris. 
it's it's, it's amazing to hear someone who's accom as accomplished as you talk like that. I think everyone needs to understand what being a true teammate is all about and putting the team first. And I guess that's exactly why you guys win the Super Bowl. And that's why you continue to be the front runner because you have a bunch of guys like that. Is the whole team made up of guys like that? Yeah, man. Um, I got to give props to Brett Veach and Andy Reid. They have uh, established a locker room of selfish guys. You know, um, everybody put their goals behind them and appreciate where the team is going and try to strive for what's best for the team. Even though I know some plays that I can get a one-on-one that I can probably beat the guy and get a sack, I'm not going to do it because if I do it, I'm going to knock somebody else off track. I'm going to do my job and take two for somebody else to come free. That's right. It's like wildfire back there. It looks like uh, we call it a yard sale where everything's all over the lawn and everyone's coming through. It's really impressive. <laughs> so you mentioned Ray Lewis and you mentioned the guys that were on KC when you joined and you, had, you would emulate them. Were there any other old school pass rushers that you really liked the way they played? Yeah, I actually reached out to a few of them. Deacon Jones. Um, I love the way Deacon Jones played, his aggressiveness, um, his physicality, how he changed the game with the head slap. Um, I think he's one of the best um, defensive tackles to play the game. I reached out to Aaron Donald. Um, I think he's one of the best to play the game. I reached out to Warren Sapp because in order to get to that pinnacle you want to reach, you got to reach reach out to the guys that who have done it, who have had success, who established themselves, and, 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 and pick their brains. You know what I mean? So I reached out to those guys, you know, and uh, actually had a talk with Aaron Donald on the field. Um, just about everything. Um, Warren Sapp, I had the pleasure of him coming down to training camp last year, and I think that meant the world to me uh, as a player. Always been a fan of Warren Sapp. I think he revolutionized the defensive tackle game. I reached out to Deacon Jones on um, Instagram, and he gave me his number. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, did my, I did my due diligence of reaching out paying my honor and respect to those who set the standard, who established the success that I'm still trying to reach to this day. Awesome. Awesome. So when you get to KC, you have a defensive line coach. And then after a few years, that defensive line coach moves on. And then you get a new defensive line coach. And I'm obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking about Joe Cullen. So Joe Cullen comes in. And of course, Chris, is under Joe Cullen because he's the defensive line coach. I played for Joe Cullen at the University of Richmond. He's a very unique person. Why don't you tell us about your experience with Coach Cullen thus far? <clears throat> well, I um, a lot of people told me before even meeting Joe Cullen that it's a hit or miss. You're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. And the first time talking with Joe Cullen, um, me and him have a similar mind frames of what's important in the game today. And what's mainly important for us, I think, is pass rushing the way our team is designed to play the play the game. We're like the number one scoring offense. So if we're the number one scoring offense, our team is gonna need to develop more importantly a pass rush. And when me and him had the the honor to sit down, talk about it, and um, establish like what what, what how this pass rush is gonna go. 
I actually fell in love with his coaching style and ended up having one of the best um, years of my career. That's awesome. We obviously saw that, and it was amazing watching you play and watching you work together with Coach Cullen and all the other defensive linemen and the defensive unit. What's it like playing for Coach Cullen? Describe his coaching style. Very uplifting, positive, um, full of energy day in, day out, um, exhausting all resources every day, um, going to push you to get the best out of you every day. Um, yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell right there. Pushing you day in and day out to get the best out of you every day, man. And that's you can't ask for too much more of a coach than that. That's right. That's right. I mean, he certainly, he's very, you know, sometimes it's tough love, right? I mean, he really cares about you guys. So he always goes to bat for you. That's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. He'll go to war for you. Um, he's a passionate individual about coaching the game of football. You can tell by the way he coached. He coached with a lot of passion. So, you know, I got a great deal of respect and love for Coach Cullen. What's the film room like? Um, more so, I sit up front. Um, I'm very quiet in the film room. More so take notes. Um, Bill Cullen is very, he's very loud. He's very loud, but very detailed. So our room is, is everybody quiet? You can hear him at the next room. That's right. That's right. Do you think Joe Cullen could possibly suit up and play nose? I, physically, I don't think his body will let him. Mentally, I think he would. He thinks he can. I think he thinks he can. <laughs> I absolutely think he thinks he can. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So. I have a few more questions, Chris. So there's people you have great respect for as defensive linemen in the NFL. You mentioned Eric, Aaron Donald. Can you reference some offensive linemen that you really think are talented, special, and are just great offensive linemen? Yeah, I play with one of them. Joe Thune, I respect him. Creed Humphrey. Um, Quinn Nelson from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the whole offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, I got a great deal of respect for them. I think those guys play well together. I think um, individually they all have special talents, um, and they do well protecting Dak Prescott. You know, um, that's just to say a few. We got a lot of great offensive linemen in this league. Um, the guy out of Atlanta, the, um, the guy who just got a deal, he's pretty awesome. You know, we got so many good guys in this league. Laramie Tonsil, you know, I could go on days and days about the amount of talent that we have in this league and the guys that I have a great deal of respect for and how they play the game of football. Right. I noticed that, you know, when we're watching you on television, you're rushing the passer and you sack the quarterback. Is there a fair bit of trash talk? Do, are you, do you, would you classify yourself as a trash talker or not really? Not Even really, man, because I really? trash talked early, uh, threw a flag on me and find me, and I stopped celebrating after getting a sack. So I got, like, third game of the season, I got a fine for uh, talking trash to Matt Ryan, and um, I don't even celebrate no more. I get a sack the other way and get off the field. <laughs> Do the offensive linemen talk trash to you? Well, I, I, I try to have – 
mal conversations with him throughout the game. Uh, I try to play the game the right way. I'm not a dirty player. I don't like to do any extra stuff after the play or after the whistle is blown. For me, it's more so about respecting the game, respecting the player, even though it's a game, and playing the game the right way. So I definitely have a great deal of respect for guys who play the game the right way, physical, but during the whistles, whistle. Everything after the play, when you push a guy after the play, you know, that's extra. Now you're trying to draw a flag. I don't respect that as a player. Right. Understood. Understood. So when you're transitioning, Chris, real quick to your – now we're you're in the offseason now. You're training and you're lifting weights. You're running. What else are you doing that you can speak of that might be unique for recovery? Or just talk about the way you recover. What do you do for recovery? Is it eating, sleeping, massage, um, my, anything? My, yeah. My recovery is every day. Um, I go to anatomy. I do the cold tub. I do the sauna. I do the steam room. They got a cold plunge. They got a cold room. I do all of those every day. And depending on how my body feels, what my body is going through, I do massages two to three times a week. Okay. More so flushes. I um, I get... um. I get treatment done every day, though, also. I get my body rubbed on. I, I'm a little older, so I, I tend to tighten up in certain areas, uh, depending on what I've done the day prior. So I have to get muscles loosened up um, every day before I even train. And then after I train, after I do my um, cold plunge and my, my recovery at anatomy, if I'm feeling kind of down, I get a massage. If I'm okay, I, I'm cool with it. But every day I get in the cold plunge, steam room, sauna. Okay. You have a difficult time getting in that cold plunge or it's pretty easy by now? It's pretty easy. Ten minutes, you go and get in, get out, you know, got to kill time. It's good to bring a friend just to talk to, you know what I mean? Get the ten minutes over with faster. Do you make cats talk? Absolutely. He's a talker. He's a yenta. So... Sleep. Are you a sleeper? Do you get enough sleep? Do you like six hours, eight hours? Um, I'm able to function on four hours of sleep, but at night I get at least, at least eight and a half to nine hours of sleep. Oh, wow. That's great. I have too. That's great. Yeah. Understood. I think sleep is a huge part of recovery. Understood. It's a huge part of recovery. I'm glad you're doing that. That's a great lesson for everyone. Sleep's huge. All right, so you've done all your your nutrition. You're still trying to do a good job. Do you plan your meals? Do you have a chef? How does it work? You just be mindful of your choices. Um, I have a chef, but I also, I also uh, have the flexibility. I can still eat out, go to dinner, but I just I be very mindful. I don't eat pork. I eat beef once a week. Um. I eat a lot of fish throughout the week. It's easier to digest fish and chicken, but more so fish. Um, I try to eat a green with every meal I have. Uh, my breakfast, um, I actually, for the last past five days, I've been eating breakfast at Pura Vida, and I get the same thing every day. I get a smoothie, a berry smoothie with fresh squeezed orange juice, and I get a veggie omelet with vegetables, um, arugula, and I add a side of turkey bacon to it. That's my breakfast. And um, my lunch is usually like a light smoothie, you know, depending on how I'm feeling. I've been trying to do this 
four to six times eat a day. You know, small meals throughout the day. Um, All right. After lunch, I probably grab something else at like 3.30, 4, depending on where I'm at. Try to grab something small, like a piece of chicken and rice. You know, then dinner, I'll do fish. Okay. Understood. Last two questions. Uh, first one, Chris, if there's one thing that you do outside of football, outside of training, outside of recovery, something you really like to do that has nothing to do with sports or training, a hobby. Well, I've been deep sea fishing um, lately. I've been heavy on the deep sea fishing. So it's been fun. It's been fun. I've been on like three or four trips in the last month or so. Actually got the time to uh, fish with Peter Miller, one of the best fishermen in the business. Me and him have been fishing. I've I been wanting to do it for the last two years. Um, but, yeah, deep sea fishing has been my thing lately. All right. Understood. Last question, okay? We'll get you off this thing. If there's one piece of advice you could give a high schooler or a college kid, or maybe it's two separate pieces of advice, what advice could you give athletes who are on their come up, right? They're trying to be their best, do their best. Maybe it's something that you wish you knew then that you really know now. Some advice you would pass on. Well, I actually had this conversation with a six-year-old kid. No, he was eight-year-old kid today. Um, he was telling me how his goal is to be in the NFL and his friends always say he sucked, but him and his best friend is better than them, and they always work out. And my thing was to him is, um, you know, hard work prevails, man. No matter who you are, if you work hard enough and you believe it and you stay committed to it, you can achieve it no matter what it is. You know, um, it's not a you against anyone else. It's you against you every day because it's not about you being better than anyone but yourself than you was yesterday so if you can compete with yourself every day i work out alone me personally i work out alone so i i kind of put myself in the mental capacity of i gotta do something better than i did yesterday because if i come and do the same thing i did yesterday i'm losing a day understood so for me understood. it's about competing with yourself continue to push yourself to the limits and if you can believe it you can achieve it and it's all start in the mental aspect. You got to believe it. Understood. And I know you believe it and you work your butt off. So, Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on. Enjoy the cold plunge. Tell cats I said hello. <laughs> and uh, have an amazing I weekend. I will, Mark. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you I for having you. me, Mark. All right, man. It was a, a pleasure, week. my God. Thank you for having me.